0: Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Thank you, sir. Welcome. I have a note of interest to all of you. Deloitte has been recognized by SAP as the number one global partner Follow Deloitte on Twitter at Deloitte SAP, and you can all spell that. We have a hot topic for you today. It's something that impacts everybody around the world in one way or another. I'm just gonna give you the title of the show and then a little background. Today we're talking about the kinetic enterprise shifting the auto industry into high gear. Now we know automotive has been a hot topic <laughs> for so many reasons over the past year. We're coming out of the pandemic now. So let me give you a little background and then I will have my three esteemed guests introduce themselves. So here we go. Things just keep accelerating, pun intended for the automotive industry competitive pressures, vehicle trends, buyer expectations, oh yes, third-party risk, data growth, they're all moving at a blistering pace, breaking the speed limit, and increasingly automotive leaders are turning their attention to the cloud. Yes, to help them manage complexity, they need to get insights, they need to pivot, oh yes, quickly, and they need to grow. From industry-specific apps to hyperscale environments, automotive companies are placing huge bets on cloud as they work toward but we're all here to talk about the built to evolve kinetic enterprise. Listen in today as three Deloitte transformation professionals share their insights and discuss leading practices for cloud in the automotive space. The conversation we're gonna have today will explore the current state of automotive industry, emerging trends, and ongoing issues such as, here's the big one, supply chain disruption. And in case anybody has been hiding under a rock, which a lot of people wish they could have in the past year and a half, the automotive industry in the U.S. was completely shut down, manufacturing for 48 days at last count in the middle of 2020. And here we are. So we're going to ask Kevin Foster and Hernan de la Torre and Ryan Robinson at Deloitte, how cloud solutions, a common data model and integrated digital ecosystem can help deliver benefits such as increased sales. Oh my, everybody wants that and they're really struggling for it. Visibility into the drivers of cost savings, and profitability. So again, join us for the Kinetic Enterprise, shifting the auto industry into high gear. And here we are, Bonnie in the house, happy to be here. And my guests are smiling. I have the privilege of being on Zoom and seeing my three pros today so I can watch them think, which is my privilege. Let's get started. Kevin Foster, welcome back. You and I spoke a couple months ago on a different show about automotive. Happy to have you here. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our listeners? We're broadcasting live on Voice America Business. Kevin, there might be 10 people who don't remember you. I don't know what they've been doing, but you talk to those 10 and refresh their memory. What do you do? What's your role at Deloitte? And what's your passion for this topic? Welcome, Kevin Foster. Bonnie, thank
2: you. Pleasure to be here. So, and yeah, it's Kevin Foster. So, um, senior manager in uh, the Deloitte uh, SAP practice. I focus on large scale business transformation. Uh, been spending time in the OEM space for auto, and I'm currently leading uh, innovations in automotive for SAP for Deloitte. So, been working in SAP for you know last 15 plus years. And have the opportunity to help our clients work through some of their most challenging problems and really kind of help restructure themselves as they start looking at the new business models for the future of mobility, right?
1: And Kevin, do you agree with me that this is a hot time and a hot topic to be talking about automotive shifting gears because of what happened in the past year and a half?
2: it's a fantastic time, right? So in terms of the, the future that's going to happen in 2025, rise of electrification, right? So just so much disruptions in the market. It's a really exciting time right now to be in auto as, as everyone's starting to reinvent themselves.
1: Thank you. All good points. Appreciate that. Newcomer, I'm welcoming Hernan de la Torre at Deloitte. Hernan, please introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about what you do at Deloitte and what's your passion for our topic today. Hernan, welcome.
3: Thank you Bonnie. Good morning everyone. Uh, It's a pleasure to be in today's uh, show here with my fellow colleagues and with you talking about this topic. Um, uh, My name is Hernan de la Torre. I've been with uh, in in the business of uh, of driving transformation technology and in business transformations for the last 20 years uh, in, in enabling organizations in the consumer and automotive sector um, improve their processes and, and, and drive integrated solutions. Uh, and uh, to, to answer your question, what my passion is is to help organizations thrive and reimagine themselves. Particularly in a time where uh, there's been so much disruption, and, and looking forward, so many challenges, but at the same time, so many opportunities. Uh, so glad to be here with with uh, you to have talk about this very interesting topic.
1: Thank you very much, Hernan. It's a pleasure to meet you. Welcome. By the way, where are you? Let's find out where everybody's based. Kevin Foster, where are you today? I'm Detroit. Detroit. Okay. That makes sense. Hernan, where are you today?
3: Not too far. I'm in Chicago.
1: Okay. I heard they had a tornado there recently. That's another show. And my third guest, welcoming Ryan Robinson. Ryan, first of all, where are you today?
4: Good morning, Bonnie. I'm, I'm here in uh, kind of a, a gray day in
0: Toronto.
1: Toronto. Okay. I've learned to not pronounce a second T in Toronto. Toronto. Okay. In the States, we're called Toronto. Welcome, Ryan Robinson. And you're a newcomer to me. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself and we'd love to know your passion for the topic. Go ahead, Ryan Robinson.
4: Thanks, Bonnie. And good morning. And, and thanks for having me on the program today. I'm, I'm the senior research leader supporting Deloitte's uh, global automotive practice. and. Um, so my role here is uh, is to shepherd a lot of the uh, thought leadership that goes through uh, goes through the firm and to uh, to the market. And I'm excited to uh, for today's conversation.
1: Thank you very much. How did you get into this part of your career, Ryan? What did you do before?
4: Oh, I, I've been studying the global automotive sector for uh, I guess a little over 23 years now. Um, so it's it's been a long road uh, across a, a number of uh, of different uh, jobs along the way and. It's, uh, it's a great industry to be a part of.
1: Thank you very much. Good. Glad to have all three of you. And now it's the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or a song or a TV show that on the surface has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And they're going to tell us how they picked the quote and what in their own words it does have to do with the topic. They're going to draw that dotted line. We're going to have some fun with this. Kevin Foster, you're up first. Kevin has sent us a really cool quote from a cool movie, 1986. Who can remember back then? But some of us do. American teen comedy film written, co-produced and directed by John Hughes. And the film is Ferris Bueller's day off. It stars Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller. Everybody knows how to spell that, which is interesting. A high school slacker who skips school for a day in Chicago, and he breaks the fourth wall, meaning he talks to the audience to explain what he's doing and his inner thoughts. Here is the quote. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while... You could miss it. Kevin Foster, I love the quote. I hear it a couple times a year from guests on, on some of my shows and I just love it. So what does this have to do with our topic today? Kevin Foster
2: thanks buddy no so i mean realistically if you take a look at the automotive industry things are changing at a rapid pace and there's many disruptions right so the way i look at it is if you stop and take a look at around you have you know industry 4.0 that's going on you have you know the rise of evs so things are are really changing and it's moving very fast right so it's really now time to take take a look around and see how to make the necessary changes and capabilities to adopt and get on board to make sure that you're prepared for the future,
1: right? Okay, so what what is it that, automotive will miss if they don't stop? Will they miss the opportunity to digitalize? Will they miss the opportunity to get into the cloud? Which is what we're gonna be talking about today. Kevin, do you think anybody is, oh, forgive me, asleep at the wheel in automotive? <laughs> Hernan, you have to smile at that one, come on. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? Is anybody in automotive asleep at the wheel right now? Do they dare?
2: No, absolutely not. I think, you know, every that's on the for, you know the forefront of everything is, you know, how do you evolve your business? sense everything's changing right so um companies are doing a great job in terms of you know thinking about how they reinvent themselves to keep up with the competitive marketplace with the new entrance in the ev space right as well as uh, other alternative fuels coming so that we can get uh, cleaner emissions going forward right so
1: Thank you very much. Nobody's sleeping now. Kevin has put you on notice what you need to pay attention to. Hernan, I've got you smiling. Hernan, you have a very interesting quote you sent us from Cooper. His real name, the character is Joseph Cooper, also called Coop played by a very interesting character in real life Matthew McConaughey. The movie is Interstellar 2014 epic science fiction film and uh, interesting enough co-written, directed and produced by Christopher Nolan and McConaughey plays Coop who is a widowed NASA pilot who after the agency was closed by the government had become a farmer. Interesting, I have to look it up. And here is the quote, everybody listen up. This is a little complex. Newton's third law, you gotta leave something behind. Such an intriguing quote, I have no idea what it means. Garnon, would you please enlighten us?
3: Well, thank you. I thought it was very appropriate—a science fiction movie and uh, and how you know we progress as humans going to the space with the topic of cloud. Um, well, the, the 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 sense of this and what it resonated with me is that a lot of our clients are looking to engage cloud as a you know, an additive to expand their technology, to expand their capabilities. But the quote also gave us a little bit of an idea that as much as we want to do certain things, we also need to learn to stop doing others. And that is also at the heart of what the business case are in many cases for organizations is, is, uh, you know, reducing the technical debt, is reducing some of the years and years of customizations, of 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 uh, complex landscapes and simplify their technology um and that's I, in my, that's for me something i find it fascinating uh as as we you know look and uh, our organizations and uh, trying to you know transcend and go beyond is is they need to look at not only what they have to do as as part of you know, um, taking you know cloud initiatives, but and but the uh, po- the possibility that this gives them to stop doing other things.
1: Very very interesting. You dropped a little buzz phrase on us that's interesting, and people in our audience may not know what it is. Technical debt. Could you just take a minute to expand on that, please, Hernan, so people know what that is.
3: The technical debt is the years of uh, accumulation of building more complexity, building uh, more customization, making it perfect for my organization, making it perfect for my users, so uh, our, our, our users have less to do and less inconvenience with the system. Eventually, this grows into very complex um, systems to maintain and and that becomes a huge uh, debt because you haven't invested money in simplifying this and it could be very costly and and so that's that's what technical debt is it's all that it's the pay dues of of upgrading your
1: technology thank you very much we just want to make sure everybody gets all the terminology because everything the three of you are talking about today is important to our topic and and in general to the Kinetic Enterprise. So thank you very much, Renan. Ryan Robinson, somebody's got a little alert coming. Wake up, wake up. I've got an interesting quote from Ryan Robinson. He has picked a quote that is said by, I think, a couple people in the movie. The movie is Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. It's a 2006 American sports comedy film. How could you have a film with Will Ferrell that's not a comedy most of the time? Right, Ryan Robinson? And I found the quote in a clip I found on YouTube stated first by Reese. Bobby, played by Gary Cole, who is doing a lot of comedic roles on TV now, but he also has some very serious roles. And he plays Reese Bobby, the very absent father of the race car driver, Ricky Bobby. Here's the quote, listen up, if you ain't first, you're last. And he hurls this at his son as he's about to get into a car and drive away. And he appeared magically after being absentee for decades. So Ryan Robinson, how'd you find this one and what does it have to do with our topic?
4: So I guess along with just being one of the best movie quotes of all time, I think we can all just (laughs) kind of take that as as standard Um, and great career advice, by the way. Um, I I, I think it speaks to the urgency amongst uh, automotive OEMs and suppliers to figure out, you know, how they're going to tackle all these fundamental transformations that are going on right now. Um, in the global automotive industry while creating this competitive advantage for themselves you know sometimes it's um, you know it's good to get that gut check that although that you know there's some very real existential threats that are going on that we're trying to solve for I'm thinking about you know moving to an electrified future in response to climate change for example but you know automotive companies still have this little thing called you know shareholder value that they have to worry about so you know, this, uh, I think this quote really captures the essence of, of that motivation as well.
1: Very interesting. We have lived in a culture, and I'm not going to wax poetic, philosophical, or otherwise on the education industry, but we have lived through a culture of, of a couple of decades where everybody got an award just for showing up. That was supposed to be good enough. But the reality is, you're quote, Ryan Robinson, from the movie, right? If you're not first, you're not first. That could be that could be a paraphrase. If you ain't first, you ain't first. And that's the way it is. Yes, life is competitive, especially in automotive. I want to tell all of you, I recently got an advertisement in the mail. Believe it or not. Hernan, are you coming back in? I've got a Hernan waiting in the waiting room. So I don't know who it is. Anyway, we have an imposter. I recently got an ad in the mail, a letter from a local car dealer I'm in the relative. Durham uh, Research Triangle area here in North Carolina. And it said, our inventory is so low that we can't guarantee we'll have either any new cars or any used cars farther out than four weeks. Do you want to sell your car? And I thought, seriously, they're running out of cars. And the answer is, if you try to get a new model of anything that's reasonably, I think, upscale or a little bit, it could be months before you can get those cars. So there was certainly a lot of the need to get going again, really, to rev up your engines, which is our topic today. Thank you, gentlemen, for very interesting movie quotes. I'm going to paraphrase that Ryan Robbins is going of you ain't first, you ain't first. I like, I like that one a lot because that, that's really what we're talking about here. So we're now at the part of the show where my guests have graciously and generously put a lot of thought leadership into sending me several statements on the topic. I'm going to pick one from each of them. We're going to go around the table. Kevin Foster, I picked your second statement. I've got it in the chat for you. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to ask you to unpack it, as they say on the news shows. Take about three minutes, Kevin, knock yourself out, as you always do. Good explanation. And then the magic, we're going to go around the table. Hernan, I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree with Kevin Foster. And don't be afraid to disagree. It's okay. You're on Zoom on the radio and it's safe. And then Ryan Robinson, Hernan, you can smile now. There you go. Okay. Ryan Robinson, I'm going to get you in on the party and ask you to agree or disagree with Kevin and or with Hernan. So you've got your work cut out for you, Mr. Robinson. Okay. So here's the statement Kevin sent me. He says, changing demand from customers and executives demands are driving integration of business units, processes, and data that will require automotive organizations to shift their way of thinking break down the silos of the past, achieving true business transformation. This is a big statement, Kevin Foster. Let's apply it to automotive and let's go. Go ahead.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. So in the past, when you used to take a look at automotive, you had really, it's kind of broken out into three sections, which is manufacturing, sales, and then the captive finance company, and you can throw in the dealer and services in there as well. And so what we're looking at is with, you know, the new change in really the customer dynamics and how they expect their experience to be, especially with an underlying loyalty program, the customers are expecting you to know them and to bundle packages and services, which when you look at each one of the portions of the organizations now with the new technology will have a tie-in to the customer who's expecting a consistent experience, right? Not to mention that when you look at the, the C-suite, they're going to expect a one view of their organization across the automotive value chain. So really, even though the lower end of the segments operated with different business systems, you know, different processes, now what's happening is people want to see the harmonized process across the entire value chain so they can get the single view and start pulling out the, you know. The, the details or the insights from the full automotive process. So you can see where you need to make changes throughout your entire organization to really move the needle, right? So that's where we're starting to see really a shift, especially around the future mobility around, you know, Predominantly before, you know, all the, de- the sales went through the dealers, but now we have reservations. There's companies going direct to customers like Tesla. So it's really shifting how, um, you know, really uh, OEMs and car manufacturers go to market and interact with their customers. And then even the products and services that they're going to sell as they start to reinvent themselves with, um, you know, EV charging and, you know, usage-based insurance. But all those new interactions with the customer is going to demand different capabilities and business, and transforming their business to be able to keep up with the, with with what customers want.
1: Thank you very much. And what customers want is really what's ruling the road, isn't it, Kevin Foster? Is, is somebody? Are, are we buying? Are we selling? How do our cars get maintained? There's so, so much so much in the balance right now. Hernan Delatorre, would you please join me to agree or disagree with Mr. Foster? Go ahead, Hernan
3: yeah i i have to agree with kevin on on this one uh and as we look at not only at what the customer wants from the finished product but um also what are the additional peripheral services that are looking for so this automotives and more and more looking at at their competitors right kevin mentioned tesla could be a definitely a high player on on the innovation, Uh, but that's not the only competitor they're looking at. Uh, There's also competition for uh, the different add-ons, you know, how the vehicle arrives to you, what are the different services. Uh, You know, very commonly, people's favorite features of vehicles are, often not the, the the traditional ones, but all your stereos and the services you can have, things like CarPlay. And uh, so looking at a, such a complex ecosystem, it, the transformation that we're, we're talking about is imperative to redesign
1: yourself. Thank you very much. Redesign, reimagine, good words, reinvent, repurpose. Mr. Ryan Robinson, what do you think? Agree or disagree with Kevin Foster and or Hernan de la Torre? Go ahead.
4: I think it's you know a wholehearted agreement uh, with with both my colleagues. I think you know we we do a lot of uh, customer auto customer research at Deloitte and on a global basis. And one of the things, particularly in the last year, um, you know that that we've come to know is that you know dealers and OEMs really had to come together really really quickly to figure out you know how they can change up you know some of the things around the process of selling a vehicle to make it contactless, to make it virtual, um, that that really wasn't part of our industry before the pandemic hit in a huge way. And they had to do it in a really uh, seamless uh, fashion that still offered the consumer that, you know, compelling customer experience. And, you know, getting getting different parts of the automotive value chain together to be able to enable that is is not insignificant it's it's actually pretty huge and to do that in such a short period of time was was actually quite impressive
1: thank you very much kevin foster this was your topic anything you'd like to say back to your two colleagues
4: i'm I'm glad they agreed with me
1: (laughs) (laughs) Touche, very interesting. Sometimes we like it when they don't, but I'm glad they agree with you as well. Hernan, I'm looking at your statement number one, very interesting, let me read is just uh, two sentences here and I'll ask you to expand it for us. You say automotive organizations are confronted with the paradox of delivering local market customization with standardizing their capabilities globally. Cloud technologies unlock the flexibility required to succeed in this journey. Very interesting observation. Hernan, why don't you take us through this? Take about three minutes, and let's pull out all the stops on this one. Very interesting, go ahead.
3: Sure, this, this furthers a bit the previous argument that we were making about how to serve that customer and what those customers want. Uh, the, uh, the, the variances are, the, the market is so fragmented and there's so many different special products and, and, and different type of um, preferences for trims and, and needs and, and uh, models that, that it, it does require a high degree of specialization that lasts mile. Uh, And to achieve that, that could be very expensive uh, for automakers, if you think on a global scale, right? And to achieve that, uh, in order to save costs, there's also a need to uh, keep the prices competitive. So having global standardization on the processes is also important. And it's almost that you need to take all those common things across you know, your supply chain. And I understand what are those commonalities to deliver that, that last one mile customization, turn it upside down and come up with global themes, uh, global standardization for them to go and innovate and make it consistent. And that drives quality, that drives a better, more, you know, a better uh, competitiveness on the market. The argument about cloud then it gets a lot more stronger um, as, the, as cloud technologies intend to be and are and deliver more flexibility right, or, or more scalability, but at higher and faster speed to market because they're more accessible. Um, and that's the paradox, looking for, how do I harness cloud technologies in a disciplined manner to be able to build capabilities internally you know, strengthen your manufacturing. Strengthen your your uh, supply chain. Address that technical debt that we talked about earlier in the show, and do so in a way that uh, allows us to be, build flexibility at the last mile and for our for for their clients and customers.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate the passion you put into that, Hernan. And it reminds me of a few years ago, we were talking about industries, various industries, going into the make for me era, right? I don't want the sneakers that anybody can buy. I want a, a purple swoosh, and I want three little stars on the on the heel. And I want all kinds of things. And I want you to stop your manufacturing, right? And I want you to make just that pair of sneakers for me. And then, of course, the the factory, we're not talking about automotive here, has to go back to making one million sneakers with the red swoosh without the stars on the heel. So it, it's interesting that with automotive, we all want them to express our personality, our needs, our family, or our locale, whatever it is, our style. Ryan Robinson, love to get you to chime in here, please. On what Hernan just shared with us, go ahead, agree or disagree. You're up.
4: You know, I agree. I mean, obviously, this this is the really the age old problem that the industry has been trying to solve for, right? So, you know, over the, the years that I've been I've been doing this kind of work, some of the immutable truths that come through uh, relative to consumer expectations are that, you know, you, one, make it personal, make it convenient make it easy to use, don't waste my time. You know, all of these things are kind of coming at the the industry. And the good news is, is that we finally have some emergent technologies like cloud that enable that flexibility to really get at what, uh, what Hernan was uh, really talking about there.
1: Thank you very much. Kevin Foster, you're up. Agree or disagree with either or both. Go ahead.
4: No, I, I absolutely agree.
2: And it's, the underlying tones of that are some of my favorite topics, which is, you know, we talked about cost and profitability there in terms of how do you balance the options that you're giving to your customers to give them what they want, but then still maintaining appropriate cost and profitability for your organization, and then leveraging those cloud technologies and advanced analytics to be able to take a look at your entire data set on a specific product level to determine... What should I continue making in terms of these types of configurations versus what should I not because they're just not profitable and costing me money? Right. So, again, it's one of those things where you can give a customer exactly what they want, but if it's not profitable for you, you won't be in business long. Right. So, by leveraging that, you know, advanced technologies and transforming those business processes to collect those costs allows you to get that data faster than you could before to incorporate that in your strategic business decisions to where you can now take that upstream in R&D and make sure that you select a a profitable platform for all your future designs that you're putting on. Whereas before we had a little bit of a lag and you could have possibly picked some unprofitable products to carry forward for the future, which then you're stuck until the next model change, right?
1: Are we talking about the Edsel? (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody remember the Edsel? I see a little bit of a tweak of a smile from Ryan Robinson. Hernan, you remember the Edsel? The Ford Edsel? I think Edsel was was Ford's son, and they made a model named after him, and it was a huge flop, and they were stuck with it, right? Kevin Foster, is my history right on that? I, I believe so. <laughs> okay. No, nobody's going to correct me because it was at least a millennium ago. We'll just go with that. Thank you very much, Hernan. We had a good round the table on your topic. Anything you'd like to add on this before I move on, Hernan? Uh,
3: I think we're good. Just the the issue of cost, uh, very important point that Kevin brings up. And and uh, yeah, it definitely uh, that's where we see cloud being playing a tremendous role ahead.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to move on to a topic from Ryan Robinson, and this is interesting. We've been talking about this for years. Who owns the data in the car? Is your car a moving input device? Everything you say or do. Is it recorded? Who owns it? You, the the person who leased the car to you, the insurance company that insures it, the manufacturer, the one who put the onboard computer in. So here's the statement from Ryan. I'm excited about this. You can tell Ryan Robinson. The statement is harvesting Operational data from vehicles can also help to identify component defects in real time, mm-hmm. allowing for on-the-fly engineering and production solutions that can significantly lower an OEM's risk of warranty exposure. Oh my, a lot to unpack. Ryan Robinson, you're up. Go ahead.
4: So, well, Bonnie, you know, here's here's the thing: if you can get if you can get past the issue of you know who owns the data that's coming off the the vehicles, right? I think that's in a large way, that's a, that's still a big conversation that the industry has to tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I look at, at advanced technologies, uh, including things like cloud and machine learning and some AI kinds of uh, of technologies, in a couple of ways, right? So there's some of the downstream benefits that we already talked about towards the end consumer. And then, you know, it, it was a great segue, uh, Kevin's last statement around what some of these technologies can mean if you kind of do a 180 and look back upstream, right? So, so this statement is, you know, it's really to kind of explain, you know, what, what are some of the, uh, the underlying benefits that can come from, you know, having access to real time or at least near real time operational data from vehicles. So if you have, for example, an engineering flaw that is, Kind of buried in the design of a particular component, um, you and having that operational data that you can analyze from uh, road from vehicles on the road, that would allow you to pinpoint where that problem is. Then, then one, you can, as I say in my statement, you can um, you can you can very quickly address and get in front of some of the the warranty exposure, which is not an insignificant you know, expense for vehicle manufacturers on an annual basis, as we know. Um, but you can also, you know, engineer in a solution on the fly so that as the vehicles, subsequent vehicles are coming off the line in a production plant, they're already, um, you know, ahead of that issue. So, you know, you're, you're kind of solving the problem uh, as you go. And, um, you know, it's, it's really down to how much data you have on hand and be able to analyze in a real-time basis.
1: Thank you very much. Real time is the key here. Kevin Foster, agree or disagree with Ryan Robinson? What do you think?
2: 100% agree. And you know, with, with that, those when we talk about data coming off the car, the data sets are humongous right so it gets into you know some some of the things in terms of when you're generating that amount of data you need a place to store it which that's where the scale scalability of cloud comes into play right but then that you have the second point which ryan touched on is how do you analyze all that data right so there's you know ai machine learning technologies and algorithms that are being put into place you know some 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 folks had have, have leverage these technologies to do exactly what Ryan's talking about, which is put in predictive Um, you know, uh, quality metrics in terms of being able to identify quality issues earlier to then reduce that cost of quality issue when you do have a warranty claim, right? So it really reduces the population in terms of that you need to go out and fix, therefore hence reduces the cost, which can save, you know, millions over a warranty recall period. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how companies are leveraging the technologies and the data that's now available Um, to start do some of that predictive maintenance or predictive quality assurance in terms of making sure that they catch that earlier uh, in the cycle to fix it on the fly. And then even, you know, with the newer technologies coming into play, you know, the -the over-the-air updates for anything that would be a technical issue where you can then, you know, send a firmware update to the car, right? So finding those things earlier allows for you to fix it on the fly, leveraging some of the new technologies as well. So I think this is going to be, you know, a real focus for manufacturers um, going forward because it does have so many downstream benefits.
1: Thank you. Big topic nan Della torre join us agree or disagree with anything or everything on this go ahead
3: I agree but I will also bring a word of caution
1: uh-huh.
3: there is a risk of uh, you know getting data sat- saturation the the fact that we have cloud and, and the fact that we uh, as, as as Ryan indicated we have so much access to uh, you know enormous amounts of data and where the Digital space has already exceeded the physical reality. Right, the ability to sense and the ability to the bring IoT is so powerful. A uh, process is the issue of uh, organizations wanting to know everything and have a lot of information, but not know what to do with that. So there's some traditional values that we should be retained, which is always know what are the right questions to ask. I think that's where Kevin was going with with his his analysis. Um, know what are the questions, and also there's a lot as as technology advances, and as uh, the, the the traditional manufacturing and the traditional product is evolving so much. Now there's new sets of questions with electrification, with connectedness. There's different kinds of questions. So. Um, It's we we should always follow a disciplined approach, and that will be our advice for organizations that are going in this journey. Make sure you have a comprehensive understanding of what are valuable questions and how do I use that data in a way that is
1: important, valuable, and profitable, not only interesting to know. Interesting point. Ryan Robinson, talk back to us, please. What do you think about what Hernan just added and what Kevin said as well? Thoughts?
4: You know, first, I'm just wondering if we're going to get any disagreement on the call today. I think uh, I'm I'm looking forward to
1: it, actually, if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to make it happen. What do uh, you think about what Hernan added about the right data at the right time by the right people in going into the right place to make the right decisions? I think that's what you were saying, Hernan. Ryan? Well, you know,
4: Hernan her makes an excellent point, right? Because, you know, in in fact, you know, what we know that. Um, you know, some OEMs are actually already drowning in data. Right? It's that old adage about kind of data rich, insight poor. Right? So, you know, having tools available to, uh, to 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 wade through all of that and um, and and really pull out the nuggets that you really have to know to, to drive your business forward is 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 where we need to get to.
1: Thank you very much. Great topic. Now you know why I I appreciate the thought leadership all of you put into your statements because that's what drives our conversation. Speaking of that, we have time for round two of statements, at least a couple more. So Kevin Foster, I'm looking at your statement number four and you say automotive companies will have to reinvent themselves and their customer experience to expand, listen up everybody, from a product-driven company to a software-led services company. As vehicle technology continues to change, we're getting agreement on this one, I can see, which will have cascading impacts to all parts of the organization and perhaps all parts of the industry, maybe. Kevin Foster, unpack this for me, please. Go ahead.
2: Absolutely, Bonnie, right? So as, um, you know, we, we talked about some of the underlying topics of this, but, you know, there's so many technology changes in the vehicle, right? So, not mentioned connected vehicles, right? So everything is now connected, the infotainment set, uh, system that's in there. And as we start looking forward to, you know, autonomous driving, and electrification, it spurs up the new services that, you know, companies need to offer to customers to stay competitive in the market, right? And so with that being said, as we now start to get to electrification, there's a reduction in terms of moving components in the vehicle, and you can now enable a new electronic infrastructure or, or, you know, connected network in the vehicle that has the ability to be upgraded over time. Right. And so what this is going to do, it's going to extend the life cycle of the products and allow for software updates because you can get new products and features the same as you have with your cell phone in the vehicle just by doing a software update. And what that's doing now is it's it's having our, what I'm seeing a lot from OEMs is they're taking a look internally at for services that they used to procure externally and bringing those services in house, right? So a lot of software development, like the OS for the vehicle, they're now bringing that in house and a lot of the capabilities, bringing software engineers in to develop product and services that are directly connected and integrated in with that vehicle. Um, as part of their in-house development, where that used to be externally procured, which is bringing on new talent, new services that they're going to need in their organization, as well as spurring up, you know, we, we, we see like, um, you know, I think both Ford GM are going to start offering charging services for their EV platforms, right? So other business lines and business models that they're starting to look at for revenue streams as, you know, things are progressing uh, and technology is changing.
1: Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Hernan de la Torre, thoughts about what Kevin Foster just shared? Go ahead.
3: I disagree, Pony. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow.
1: We got one. Brian <laughs> Robinson, you, 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 your quest is answered. Actually, we all have. Go ahead, Hernan. Prove that you disagree. We, we're waiting. Look at Kevin I, He's saying, what? Go ahead. I I I. I...
3: I can claim uh, disagreement in that, auto, that we should continue calling them auto, automotive uh, organizations or automakers, um, and automakers expanding into services as well as products. Uh, they're no longer the concept of automakers. They, the, the, these organizations are turning into retailers, financial services. They are licensed providers. They have aftermarket services, they have mobility, uh, they're mobility companies. So the thought about uh, going only to product and services, I will amplify that, what Kevin said, to say they're going to cover a lot of industries. And so how to get there is going to be the challenge, um, as as it's no longer uh, just the traditional, you know, we build and we serve what we build.
1: Very, very interesting. You know, there's a, been a blur, and well, you're all aware, there's been a blurring of lines in so many industries, right? In the past 10 years, can I say, look at banks. Look look who's offering services to put your money somewhere and get something back from the money, whether it's interest or products or whatever it is. Everything, lines have blurred. And, and who is in, you're, you're right, or not. Who who is in automotive? Who gets to call themselves out? Who's doing what? Ryan Robinson, love to get your thoughts on what Kevin said, and what Hernan, let's say, shall we say, defined a very fine point. Ryan, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I think that was a very tricky way to disagree, and I think uh, I don't think that was disagreement necessarily. <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to pull on the thread that you know the you know the the auto manufacturers are are now kind of in this this period of of transformation to become. You know, a lot of things, including software providers. And, you know, I, I reflect on the fact that that the auto history um, is just littered with examples of automotive companies thinking they can be kind of all things to all people and in-housing a lot of capabilities that, frankly, you know, met with some mixed results. Um, they're not necessarily, at least if I go on a historical basis, they're not necessarily very good at, at insourcing things that... Um, are kind of out of their strike zone. So, you know, it, 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 doesn't, uh, it doesn't negate the fact that we need to go there and it doesn't negate the fact that, that that OEMs are on this journey. It's more of a question of how do they get there. And in some cases, you can insource. And in some cases, it makes a lot more sense to partner with someone who actually, you know, knows a lot more about these things than, uh, than, than potentially you do.
1: Interesting. Ask the right questions, have the right resources, delegate, go to the right places. Kevin Foster, thoughts?
2: Yeah, 100% agree, right? And so you're seeing that a lot with uh, a lot of the alliances, right? So there's a lot of partnerships that are happening, especially in the tech place, right? So OEMs are partnering with tech providers and uh, you really, you know, who are leading the industry in the tech world uh, and bringing in that talent, partnering with them to develop strategic offerings, right? So-
1: Thank you. Let's, we have some time left. We're doing well on time here. Hernan de la Torre, I'm looking at statement number four. This is interesting. You say selective transformation. Allows manufacturers suppliers to control the pace of change for organizations. So we're just going with the concept of selective transformation for automotive companies. It can help renew the platform foundation while ripping the benefits of edge solutions faster. You've got a lot packed into this, Hernan. Can you take it apart for us, please? Go ahead. Absolutely. We're,
3: we're pivoting now up to the how. So how do we accomplish all these things, right? How do we manage? Uh, to modernize the platform, the technology back backend, uh, you know, back office, if you will, as well as the services and the technology required to succeed, uh, building those capabilities. In uh, this concept of selective transformation, is is one that is very close to the ultimate goal. What are we transforming to? We're transforming our technology, or our, our, we're transforming to reach a um, a kinetic enterprise and we can talk a little bit more about what the kinetic enterprise is uh, but it's bringing SAP or other technologies or other cloud technologies to become your central and holistic uh, technology platform and what selective, selective transformation is is saying well you don't need to do it everything at once There's a lot of big, you don't the big bang, the concept of a big bang is a little bit obsolete. You can still do that, but there's many ways of of driving innovation in an organization uh, without having to uh, tackle every single plant, every single line of business, all your, you know, all, all your functions. Selective transformation allows us to bring certain capabilities. Perhaps we start with finance. We transformed finance and in, in, uh, early on, you know, Kevin was alluding to better reporting, better data analytics. So that's a place to start. Later on, you can move into procurement and then you can transform through manufacturing and, and your uh, order management process, et cetera. So selective transformation is now available and possible because of some, where the technology is that doesn't force you to do a big bang, switch all the gear, change the engine of the, of the car altogether. You can do it, but be- beats and pieces. And that's, that's its value.
1: It sounds like prioritizing and discipline. Am I right on that, Hernan?
3: Perfect. Well said, Bonnie.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Ryan Robinson, love to get your thoughts on this. I'm going to dare, dare you to disagree. Go, go
4: ahead. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to disagree um, to, to let you down. But uh, I do think that at the at the risk of getting a bit dramatic, right, there are some very big bets being made right now. Um, and, you know, there's an argument that says that the future that we're moving into Particularly when we think about all of the, the the transformations that are happening, that are impacting the global auto sector, the disruptors that are entering the marketplace, and so on, that you know this is uh, this is a future where it it may not actually support all of the current players. There will be winners and losers, um, and you know using technology to figure out how to put the the pieces of the puzzle together in the right order to To see the picture at at, at you know finally the, the the picture at the end of the day, as Turnen points out, is is definitely where we where successful companies are going to go.
1: Thank you, and every company aspires to be a successful company, so they're still around for us to talk about them. Kevin Foster, join us. What do you think?
2: Yep, agree. Yeah, I and mean, really, when when you take a look at the you know the auto sector and the and really just all around, different companies are going to start from different positions which means right so it's not everything because you already might have something there right so if you have competitive advantage that you want to bring forward let's take that part of the selective transformation take that piece bring it forward with a new platform with new innovations and then you're on you know the latest and greatest system where you're getting continuous updates or innovations going forward which then helps you know really uh, energize your business right so um, definitely think, you know, the priority and prioritization has to be there is, you know, what's going to move the needle first. So really taking a look at your, your organization strategy and vision, where you want to go, and then starting to put together that roadmap in terms of the capabilities that are required to get there. And, and making those decisions to get that roadmap and then just execute against it. But always bringing that feedback loop in there to ensure that you're changing based off of market demands and ensure that you don't have a roadmap and you're executing against something that has already been outdated, right?
1: Thank you very much. Right on, Hernan, this was your topic. Anything you want to say back?
3: I, I, I love uh, Kevin's and Ryan's point of view uh, it makes me also reflect that I, my mind was set on large traditional oems and, and kevin you bring out a very important point that the competitive landscape is different there's new players all the time mm-hmm. selective transformation may not be uh, ideal for an, uh, someone is 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 is, is mid, uh, you know a mid-sized business could probably just go all in and do greenfield implementation okay. and And, you know, fast forward ages of uh, ERP or years of ERP implementations by by doing more bold moves up front.
1: Thank you very much. And we have time to squeeze in one more topic very briefly. Ryan Robinson, I'm looking at number four. Goes back to a little bit we were talking about uh, operational data from the vehicle, but let's take it another step further. You say the security of connected vehicle data transmission remains an issue and should be treated like critical infrastructure, particularly as we move toward the introduction of 5G as an enabler of safety-related ADAS technologies. Why don't you take two minutes, break this down for us, Ryan Robinson, and then we'll get a quick comment from your co-panelists. Go ahead, Ryan. So
4: obviously one of the critical risks to having this, what. What's called kind of vehicle to everything or, or V to X connectivity and these constant data flows to enable things like over-the-air updates that Kevin was talking about earlier to, you know, to do everything from kind of fixing firmware on the fly to offering kind of new services, right? I'm thinking about EVs and the ability to. You know, unlock uh, battery range on the fly, right? For uh, for subscription services or something like that. All of these data flows, there's there's a threat of having you know these quote unquote bad actors, right, as they call it, to disrupt that system. So you know, I my mind immediately goes to where you know the 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 recent ransomware attacks, obviously on the the Colonial Pipeline, you know, all of these things um, that that puts the need for securing uh, our kind of connected mobility future um, into very high relief.
1: Thank you. Brief and to the point. Let's get a quick comment around the table. Kevin Foster, thoughts on what Mr. Robinson shared. Go ahead.
2: No, 100% agree. And, you know, just cybersecurity going forward with the rise of technology in everything and IoT, your network's only as safe as your weakest link. Right. So, again, it really comes around, you know, um, you know, resilience and due diligence to make sure that what you have on that network um, has no really vulnerabilities. So one of our, you know, talking with a few of our clients, you know, um, their risk constantly with IoT is having people come in, bring something on the network that's not approved that, has an entry point or a portal for anyone for, you know, that is subjected to being hacked. Right. Um, And it really organizations are going to have to double down and focus on cybersecurity because it has just, you know, the risks are broad out to brand reputation. You know, even when you're talking about autonomous vehicles, the lives of your passengers, things of that nature. Right. So very important going forward and making sure that whatever you have from technology perspective is secured, uh, and, and not su- uh, subjectable to hacks.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. That H word, Hernan. I'll give you the last word. One minute. What do you say? Quick.
3: I agree. I, uh, infrastructure. It will. It security will always be a critical component of uh, of it's it's you know of how you succeed on this path is is hygiene. My would only advice would be continue working with big players. Um, this are the will probably give you a more predictable answer. To you know, some of these threats and keep up with the with the latest uh, you know uh, challenges that we that they have, and especially bringing something like cloud that that now now nowadays proves to be even more secure than than traditional technologies.
1: Who would have guessed? I have a quick challenge for the TV producers and scriptwriters who are writing. I watch a lot of detective procedurals, if you will, crime right. thrillers. And the question is, they talk about, oh, he was in his car and he went through toll booth, booth number 93. And then we checked in and got gasoline at uh, Hugo's, Hugo's uh, whatchamacallit, gas station. And he bought a sandwich, but nobody's saying on his built in car speaker phone, he talked to Mary for 3.4 minutes, and they talked about the flowers in her garden. And we think he buried the money in her garden. I haven't heard that in the script yet. So the question is, are are the cops going to be able to tap into what's actually said in the car? I challenge all the movie writers and the TV procedural writers to put that in. Thank you to the three of you. It's been really an interesting conversation. Hot topic. Kevin Foster, always wonderful to speak with you. Hernan de la Torre, appreciate all of your insights as well for Ryan Robinson. A shout out to Helen Tomas who helped to guide this show. She was our showrunner this week because Hazmin was on vacation, but Hazmin bolanos Flores is here today looking after the show. And shout out also to Natalie Butlin and Marie the rectum wall at Deloitte who take a look at the show and are part of the support team Aaron Keller our engineer at voice America world talk radio thank you for getting us on the air we're just about out of time I have 30 seconds Bonnie D Graham saying thank you for listening to the Deloitte podcast called the kinetic enterprise built to evolve that's what we wish for you and your companies and the world built to evolve everybody wave goodbye guests stay around we're going to take pictures bye bye thank you
0: Thank you for listening to the Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.